Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome to church. Let's stand together and worship.
have a God that's constantly fighting for us. You know, I love that image of a lion and a lamb. A lamb so innocent and so near and close, yet a lion that is constantly fighting for us, that is all-powerful, that is almighty. And, you know, something amazing when we gather together and we lift up the name of Jesus and we invite his presence to fill this place. When God's presence is filling the atmosphere of a room, chains break, uh, addictions are completely transformed, lives are healed and restored. You know, so we're not just gathering together just to sing songs or just to do the portion of church before a message. No, we're actually gathered because we want to seek the heart of God. And we want to see his presence and his Holy Spirit move in our lives. You know, you guys think about when you walk into a room and someone has a negative attitude, you can feel the atmosphere that that person sets. But you can also, when you get into around a person that is joyful, you sense that atmosphere too. Well, when we create an atmosphere of praise, the Bible talks about God inhabits the praises of his people. And so when we create that atmosphere of praise, even if someone is completely cold and turned off to God, that heart can be softened in an instant of being in his presence. And so let's just keep that in mind as we just worship God, as we just lift up the name of Jesus and we just invite him to move in our lives and move in this place this morning. Amen. Oh 
There's nothing sweeter, there's nothing more at home than being in your presence, God. God, we thank you for it, for it is a gift. God, something that we don't want to be quick to move on from, Lord, but that we want to embrace. Jesus, we thank you that you're constantly drawing near to us, God, that you constantly want a close, intimate relationship with us, Father. 
something you don't want us to fake. It's something you just want us to be raw and honest before you, God. And when we are in your presence, Lord, and we feel exposed and we feel completely emptied of ourselves, God. We just want you to be in those moments where you just pour into us, Father. Make us more like you. God, we worship you here this morning, Father God, in freedom. God, because you have set us free, Lord. And so we just invite you, and I invite you to move through every heart right now, God, that is open to you, Father. God, break what needs to be broken, Father. Heal what needs to be healed. Restore what needs to be restored, Father, and move. Move in this place this morning, Jesus. God, we're open to you. Be with Pastor Kelly as he delivers the message, God. God, let us just have an open heart, an open mind, and open ears, God, that we truly receive from you. We love you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Before you sit down, give the person next to you a high five and say, it is so good to see you today. And it is very good to see each and every single one of you. Welcome to church this morning. There's no better place to be worshiping on a Sunday morning than right here at Salem Fields Community Church with your family. So we're so glad you're here. Hey, if you are a guest with us, welcome to church. Uh, if Hopefully you got a program when you came in. If you can just fill out the connection card that is in that. Uh, we're going to be taking our tithes and offerings during this next song. There's going to be buckets that come by. If you can just drop your connection card into that bucket. We just want to be able to connect with you, say hey, answer any questions that you might have about the church. Uh, so please do that for us. Or if you've been coming, you just want to update your information, go ahead and do that as well. But like I said, we're going to be taking our tithes and offerings during the next song. You know, And this is just a way that... We're able to worship God in a, a, a really amazing way. You know, every single blessing, every single good and perfect gift comes from God. And so uh, he blesses us so much, and we can see that all in our lives, and we just take those moments. And one of the ways he blesses us is financially. You know what? We want to be able to give God the first fruits of what he's given us right back to him. And it's amazing that God actually lets us partake in doing that. And so there's something really special about being able to do that. So if you're a guest with us, please do not feel obligated to give, but give as the Lord leads and with a cheerful heart. And there are many ways that you can give. You can do cash or check as the buckets come by. Go out to one of the giving kiosks and do debit or credit out there. Or if you are online, just click that little green button in the top right-hand corner. Uh, or as always, through the Salem Fields Community Church app. It's really quick. It's really simple. And uh, so actually, if you want to go ahead and pull out your phones, you can also check into Facebook right now. Let everyone on your news feed or go ahead and tweet or go take a picture on Instagram and share that and just say, you know what, I'm worshiping at Salem Fields Community Church this morning. What are you doing? You need to get here for the next service. And so uh, go ahead and do that. But I just want to update you guys on a couple of other quick announcements. Uh, we have a Smithfield missions trip uh, coming up where we're going to have the opportunity to go and serve the people of Smithfield, the homeless of Smithfield specifically. And so uh, we're going to be going down for an entire week. Uh, don't let 
the entire week be what deters you because we want to invite you, if you can come down a day, if you can come down half a day, or if you can come down, you know, maybe I can do two or three, or maybe I can do the entire week. Whatever you're able to do, uh, come. Uh, we really just want you to be able to partake in that and be able to experience what it's like to really be the hands and feet of Jesus and serving uh, just people that are down and out and just really uh, down on their luck. And so it's an amazing opportunity. Uh, Anthony Robinette, who leads uh, the Smithfield uh, campus down there in the garage ministry, uh, he's putting all this together. And so Pastor Kelly's taking an entire team down, and it is going to be uh, fantastic. So if you want more information about that, you can email missions at salemfields.com or if you just want to know call or want to know all the different details, uh, definitely just feel free to direct every single question you have towards uh, that email and really hope that you guys are able to partake in that. Uh, also coming up, Grief Share. Uh, this is a specialized small group, you know, in unfortunately every single one of us at some point in life is going to experience grief. Uh, unfortunately, that's just the reality of living in a fallen world. But uh, you know, the Bible talks about being able to bear one another's burdens, and that's exactly what Grief Share does. It's an opportunity for every single person to kind of come together, no matter what stage of grief that they are at in life, to be able to kind of work through all of that together. You don't have to do it alone, and so that's what Grief Share is all about. So I really want to encourage you. It starts March 7th. It's on a Wednesday at 7 p.m. It runs 12 weeks. Uh, the cost is $15. That is just to cover the cost of the workbook. Uh, Jeanette Liptrap is leading that. Uh, great leader, and I know that she is really just looking forward to being able to really just help any of you uh, that might need this group. So if you want more information about that, just email smallgroups at salemfields.com, and we will get you set up. But also, if you would like to just pre-sign up, you can also email smallgroups at salemfields.com. Uh, also coming up, uh, next Sunday during the 9 a.m. service, we're going to have membership class. You know, we usually do this after the 11 a.m. service on a Sunday, but we were finding, you know, what the Saturday night crowd and especially the 9 a.m. crowd, you guys didn't want to leave and come back uh, to take membership class. So we want to be able to help you out. So during the 9 a.m. service, we're actually going to have the membership class, and then you can just stay and come to the 11 o'clock service. Uh, this is really where you find out everything that you could possibly want to know about Salem Fields Community Church and ask any question that you might have about who we are, our story, and really what God has called this place to do. So uh, you can go ahead and sign up for that uh, by emailing smallgroups at salemfields.com. Uh, it's going to be next week, again, during the 9 a.m. service, and then you can just stay for the 11. Uh, also, hopefully you guys have set your alarms for the 401 prayer. Uh, this is really just the thing that we're doing church-wide. You know what? Every day at 401, we're going to pray together as a church for Easter. Really just believing that God's going to do something this Easter that he's never done. And so we're believing that the seeds that are going to be planted through these prayer, through praying at 401, is actually going to be unearthed at Easter and lives are going to be forever transformed. And so uh, we're just hoping that you guys are partaking in that. But we also now want to make you aware of those Easter dates. Um, so there it is. Uh, we're going to have communion on that Thursday. Uh, and then on the Friday, we're going to have the Walk of Hope. That's the crosswalk that we did last year. Uh, and then we have Easter services on that Saturday at 4 and 6. And then on Easter Sunday, the sunrise service at 6.30 a.m. And then a 9 and 11 on Easter Sunday. So again, I know that's a lot of dates. We're going to be giving you more details as we get closer. Uh, we just wanted to make you aware of those right now. And so uh, Pastor Kelly is going to be talking to us about prayer today. But next week, we are starting a brand new series called Say What? And so 
this is all about, you know, those times where we look in the Bible and we see things that Jesus says and we just scratch our heads like, what? You, you really want me to do that or you really said this? And so we're going to kind of break down uh, those things that kind of take us aback. So definitely uh, you'll want to be a part of that series and we'll start that next week. Well, we are so glad that you guys are here this morning. Um, you know, we're going to do, we're going to take our tithes and offerings, but we're also going to do uh, this song that you guys might recognize. And it's a really interesting story. There's so many different stories about this song floating around out there. But uh, the one that I kind of landed on, you know what, whether it's the truest of all the stories or not, I'm going to grasp onto it. But the reality of the fact that, you know what, uh, there used to be a day where we kind of put our hope and our faith in uh, heroes that we see, whether it's a sports figure or whether it's uh, a celebrity or whether it's just people in our lives. But then we start to realize that, man, these people are human and they have a lot of uh, brokenness and a lot of things that, man, just disappoint us. But the reality is at the end of the day, we need to put our hope in the true foundation, and that is Jesus, because he is the only one that will never let us down. And so Pastor Kelly's going to kind of talk about that as, you know, why we put our faith and our trust in Jesus and having that relationship through prayer. But before then, we're going to do this song.
What is prayer? Stale tradition. Ritual. A good luck charm. Part of some religious checklist. Done to appease a higher being so we can get what we want. Or at least avoid the lightning bolt. Prayer has been redefined and twisted and confused. But at its essence, prayer is simply talking to God. The God who spoke the universe into creation. Who gives us life and breath. Who holds all things together. This God wants us to talk to him. In the vastness of all that exists, he actually cares about us, personally, individually. How can we not pray to such a loving God? Wherever we are, how can we not thank him for what he's done? Or cry out when we need help, when we need forgiveness, when we're afraid, when we give thanks for our blessing or question where our next meal will come from. Why would we live a life apart from him? It's not about formula. How could any posture or well-chosen word impress the author of time and space? It's simple obedience. God has made himself available to us. He wants to hear from us. He wants us to trust in Him, to acknowledge our dependence on Him, to draw near to the one who loved us first. Approaching with confidence, because Christ has torn away the veil. He's washed away the sin that kept us from His presence. And we live in relationship with our Lord. And so we ask that His kingdom come his will be done on earth and in our lives as it is in heaven. That is prayer. And that is the whole message. <laughs> so you can go ahead and go home. So I did you a huge favor by animating that for you. It's hard to pull off that voice, though. <clears throat> so it's difficult. So welcome. We're going to uh, spend some time unpacking prayer today, and I think it's important because, um, well, that's how we talk to God. That's how God talks to us, but I do want to welcome my mom and dad are here. They decided to make the trip up, and they actually brought a special friend with them, they, they, uh, a family um, that are their closest friends, and uh, we've got, he's right over there, John Nichols, is a 93-year-old World War II veteran. He's an original Buffalo soldier, and... Um, John just just won the or received the 2018 Medal of Valor uh, at the White House. So we thank you, John, and Marion. Uh, Marion Nichols's wife is here, and, and they're an awesome family. I'll tell you what's interesting about them, however, is that as incredible as that is, and his life story is truly a movie. Um, and it would just be fascinating to you if you even got a glimpse of it. As I get kind of pieces of it, it's just, it's really incredible. But what's more incredible about John and Marion is that they're prayer warriors. And my mom says, and she's not one to exaggerate. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> she's just like me, basically. So anyway, you know, now you can blame somebody. 
But my mom says, however, is that when John and Miriam pray, God stops everything that's happening and inclines his ear. Now that, that to me far exceeds any medal of valor or any other compliment that the world could pay you is that somebody who is such close relationship with God, when they speak, God says, man, I hear you. And that's sort of what I want to talk about today because if it's possible for them, it's possible for anybody. All right, so there's a five-year-old boy who runs from the outside inside. He comes charging in. He's looking for his dad. He finds him in the den. And he says, Dad, I want a little brother. I want a little brother. And his dad says, man, okay, man. Well, I tell you what, here's the deal. Why don't you pray every day for two months? And he said, and I'll bet that you'll get a little brother. God's gonna give you a little brother. I just feel it. But you gotta pray for two months straight every day. And so the kid's like, okay, cool. So he leaves, he goes to bed early, he starts praying every day for a month. He prays for this little brother. And then after about a month, he's like, man, starting to get a little skeptical. He's like, come on, man. I think my dad's having one over on me a little bit. I don't know. So he starts talking to the neighbors and asking kids and families around the neighborhood. Nobody's ever heard of praying for two months to get a little brother. So he's like, all right, they got one over on me. That's, that, that, that stinks. I can't believe my dad would do that. Well, a another month goes by, and all of a sudden, mom and dad go to the hospital and come back. He calls the, the little boy into the room, and laying next to mom are these two little covered-up lumps. And so... He pulls back the, the blanket and he sees not one, but two little brothers. And so his dad says, son, aren't you glad you prayed? Look, God gave you not one, but he gave you two little brothers. And the kid's like, gosh, yeah, dad, but aren't you glad I stopped when I did? You know, That's the power of prayer, ladies and gentlemen. God makes children from prayer. So if you're in here and you're wondering, that's how it happens. So anyway, <laughs> most people would say that if, if they are asked and they have a desire to grow spiritually, if you ask them, what are you willing to do? What will you do? What could you do to grow spiritually? Almost everybody would say pray. That, that's really the number one response. And, and it's proven because we've done it here so often in small groups will ask, you know, what are you willing to do to grow spiritually? And people say, well, I'll, I'll pray, pray more. And see, it's interesting because 55% of Americans say they pray every day. 20 plus percent say they pray at least once a week and 23% say they pray never at all. So three out of four of you pray on a regular or semi-regular basis. So you probably don't even need the message. Again, I'm giving you a shot to get out of here early. All right, there it is, Joe, I knew it. We were waiting, I knew but for the rest of you that maybe don't have it all the way down, we, we can unpack this a little bit. But the, the reality is we want to believe that prayer is something that will help us grow, but we really don't understand it. And so we just kind of do it. And it's the sort of thing that's been passed down generationally that we don't really have a firm grasp on. We get the basics of it, but but in, at the end of the day, we were not really sure how it works. And so my goal today is I'm not going to give you any Greek or Hebrew or anything like that. We're going to talk very specifically about the four things about prayer that can help you become a prayer warrior, okay? The first thing that you need to understand, however, is just like that little video said, there is no sequence of words. There is no posture, meaning you kneel, you lay down on your face, you stand, you hop, you stand on one leg, no Nothing you can say 
could possibly impress or wow the creator of time and space. Now, that's good news and bad news. The good news is it gets you off the hook because God's not sitting there saying, if they would just say it this way, then maybe I'll do something. But at the same time, there's no sequence of words that we're going to put together where God's like, wow, I need to do that. That's incredible. I never thought of that before. That's my favorite posture. I like that. <laughs> wow. Like God's like the neighbor next door. Whoa. You know what I mean? I'm pretty good at putting words together sometimes, but not one time has God said, ooh, I'm going to do that. So we need to unpack what prayer is all about. John Wesley tells us a great definition of prayer. Get this, whether we think of or speak to God, whether we think of God or speak to God, whether we act or suffer for him, all is prayer. When we have no other object than his love and a desire to please him. Now, all the time when I ask people, I like to make people uncomfortable that I know don't like to pray in public, I like to ask them to do it. Because I've been stretched when someone asks me to do something that I'm not comfortable with spiritually and I do it, I, my faith grows. And so I don't try to make people upset, but at the same time, it's a way to grow. But every single time if I say, hey, would you pray, all of you are thinking pray out loud, correct? And you're right, that's what I'm asking you to do. But what John Wesley tells us is, it's not just verbalizing prayer, it's act, thinking, suffering even as prayer, working as prayer, singing as prayer. All of those things are prayer if we are focused on him. And so the bottom line of prayer that you need to understand is it's effective when the focus is accurate. Now, I'm a great prayer, like I told you. I love to pray. I like to pray about myself. I like to pray for myself. I like to pray to myself. See, I'm a selfish person. I know most of you can't relate. But I have become, and, and this is the war. Every time I stand on the stage, I try very much to be honest with you about that. But I battle every single day with who sits on the throne of my heart. Every day when I wake up, my flesh wants to rule that day. And every day I have to take up the cross and I have to choose Christ to rule the day for me. That's the only way that I can do it every day. But there are those days when the flesh has won and it is in charge and I'm praying to myself because I'm so selfish. I'm like this prayer-granting machine. I manifest things around me and make them happen because my mind's powerful. But at the end of the day, it's ashes. It's nothing. And so prayer is about attitude and focus. Attitude and focus. What is your attitude and who is your prayer focused on? Because at the end of the day, it's just you and God. It's just you and God when we pray doesn't matter if you're in a group or not. It comes down to just you and God. So I know that, that many of you can say, yeah, I'm okay with praying. But listen, the disciples had to ask Jesus how to pray. Now, if you think about it, they were Jews. From birth, they were taught how to pray. They knew how to pray. They knew exactly the form and function of prayer. They knew everything that they had to do. They were raised in it. 
So they knew how to pray. But when Jesus prayed, something was different. Every time Jesus prayed, something was different. And so they got to the point where they said, man, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray like you do? Because we want that. Because something's different when you pray. And so I ask you, is anyone here willing, like the disciples, to say, Jesus, would you teach me how to pray? Are you willing? Jim, you are? Thanks, man. All right, well, me and Jim are. Jim, I'm standing over here now. Jim, there's four Ps in prayer. <laughs> Sorry, I'll teach you all a lesson. All right, let's, let, we're going to do it, okay? We're going to unravel the fundamentals of prayer. I'm not going to teach you a special sequence of words or what need to get down on first or anything like that because none of that matters. This is going to be the thing that unlocks the key to prayer that we need. And when we unlock the key to prayer, we are able to move God's heart. When we move God's heart, we can affect change in this world. And this world desperately needs change. Don't you agree? The first P for the four Ps in prayer is personal. It's just you and God. This is what you need to understand. And this is the part that scares many of us. It's just you and God. That's terrifying when you realize the kind of person that you and I are. But it's also beautiful. Now the problem is when we try to get personal with God is we don't understand God. We have an inaccurate picture of God many times, which makes prayer incredibly difficult. Here's one image I grew up with that I thought God was like. Wait, count to 20. No, Dad, you listen. Junior! One, two, three, four. In Greek. Ena, Theo, Thea. Tessida, Dente. May he who illuminated this illuminate me. See, when I was growing up as a teenager, I saw God as... as oftentimes this unapproachable individual. So I would want to, to dump my heart out to God. I would want to pour out and say, man, what happened to me today? Guess what? I'm so excited. I'm so this or that. And God would stop me at the door. He's like, no, quote scripture. Quote scripture to me. I want to hear my words back to me. Now in Latin. No, stay there. I don't care about your excitement. I just want to hear my words. I want to hear what I hear. And I had this image. Part of it was from the church that I grew up in, mom and dad, sorry. But part of it, that's the truth. Part of it I observed around me as I saw people worshiping this God. And I said, man, he's unapproachable. He's not really personal. Part of it was the imagery that I created in my mind because I knew myself. And I say to myself, I'm not a good person, at least is the judgments that I think are good. I have issues. I do things wrong. I make terrible decisions. I do all these things, and I say, God would never want to commune with me. You see, I saw God as um, a cop. I saw him as a judge. 
I saw him as an executioner at times. He was uncaring. He was mean, petty, inept, and completely oblivious to what was going on around him. Have you ever felt that way? I mean, you look around sometimes and we see the world derailing. We're like, are you completely oblivious to what's happening? Or are you just mean? Because it doesn't seem very loving to me that these things are happening. And I had this image of God, but it all stemmed from who I was. Because I knew myself, and I'm telling you right now, as you sit there, you have those images in your mind. It's that one thing that you, when you close your eyes, you're like, yes, but God must hate this about me. He must detest this. He would never want to be personally involved with me. There's an image there. I guarantee it. And it's just that very thing that I wish very much to explode. You see, in Genesis 3, we can look all through the Bible. God talked to people all the time. People talk to God all the time. But in Genesis 3, Adam and Eve decided to derail that whole thing, cast the personal relationship aside, and worship themselves, essentially. And so the relationship was broken. Now, the good news is God began to repair the relationship, but from now on, it was different. It was by blood that God would begin to speak to people. That's how offended he was at what they did. And so the relationship is broken. Self-worship became the the call of the day. And we get this this totally crazy picture of God as being this, this mean, angry Uh, God who rains down thunder and destroys whole people groups and all this stuff. And we say, man, I can't associate with a God like that. But then he's holy and just, so he must really hate me. But that's not at all the truth of how God sees you. And this is where I want to camp. I want, no matter what happens the rest of the day, if you leave with this, I believe your prayer life will be completely new. God has a personal image of you that you need to understand before you go any further. And what I want you to do is close your eyes. I'm not going to sneak up on you. Not yet. And I want to read this to you. And I want you to hear the words of God, but I want you to see them in your mind. I want you to see how God sees you. So close your eyes, unless you're about to fall asleep, and then just squint them a little bit. Ezekiel 16, verse 8. This is God talking. When I passed by you again, and I saw you, behold, you were at the age for love, and I spread the corner of my garment over you, and I covered your nakedness. I made my vow to you, and I entered into a covenant with you, declares the Lord God, and you became mine. Then I bathed you with water and washed off your blood from you and anointed you with oil. I clothed you also with embroidered cloth and shod you with fine leather. I wrapped you in fine linen and covered you with silk. And I I adorned you with ornaments and put bracelets on your wrists and a chain on your neck. I put a ring on your nose and earrings in your ears and a beautiful crown on your head. Thus you were adorned with gold and silver Your clothing was of fine linen and silk and embroidered cloth. You ate fine flour and honey and oil. You grew exceedingly beautiful and advanced to royalty. And your renown went forth among the nations because of your beauty. For it was perfect through the splendor that I had bestowed on you, declares the Lord your God. Open your eyes for a second. 
Do you realize that the creator of the universe sees you and I at our worst, broken, bloody, beaten, angry, bitter, nasty. He sees all of it. And his single response is to come to us and wrap his cloak and arm around us and hold us tight and to wash us and clean us and adorn us with the finest of fineries. That is how God sees each one of us. And before you're ever going to have a prayer life, you must accept the fact that God loves you exactly as you are. No matter what you did last night or this morning or what you're contemplating doing later, God loves you exactly like this and has his arms stretched around you. That's amazing. It's personal to God. It's very personal to God. You are very personal to God. Pray with me for a moment. I want each of you to take just one second and get the image in your mind, the image that only you know about yourself, the one that you think separates you from God. I don't know if it's something you've done, someplace you've been, a feeling that you have, but there's a picture. I want that picture in your mind, as bitter and nasty as it is, get it there because I know the enemy's gonna bring it to you anyway. So bring it to your mind. And now, call out to God, if you're willing, in your heart, in your mind, out loud, I don't care. Call out to God and ask him to put his cloak around you. He is faithful and just to forgive you of all wrongdoing and make you brand new right now. God, thank you for being a promise-keeping God. You see, part of what we're going to talk about is God answering prayers. When does he answer prayers? When's he going to answer prayers? But here's the thing. There's only one prayer that God's on the hook for answering immediately, and that's save me. God says that if you cry out to him, he will save you instantly. That is a, the only prayer that God will answer immediately. God's personal. He's personal. Well, the second P is passionate. See, prayer flows from a relationship with God. And that's the tough part. We want to have a relationship with God, many of us. We really do. But because we can't understand God, we struggle with it. And so we're like, man, I want to have a relationship with you, God, but who are you really? And especially compared to me. And, and that's the thing. We, we want to love God, but we don't even know what love is. It's so confusing. And folks, our world needs love, doesn't it? Man, do we need some love. When our students are shooting each other because they're so disenfranchised with life or they'd rather make a show about how we get back at people after we kill ourselves and all those things, that tells me that this world is bereft of love. And we need it desperately. But the problem is we don't have any clue what it is. There's four Greek words for love. I promised I wouldn't do it, so I'm not going to say it, but you all know them probably. But we got one 
English word for love, and we use it for everything. It's like the word smurf from the, from the smurf show. Have a smurfy day. For lack of a better word, we say smurf or we say love. You know the problem here is we don't understand that God is the first cause of love. We've got it all mixed up. We think we are. And that's why it's so screwed up. We're not. God is the first cause of love. You're never going to be able to pray effectively. You're never going to be able to have stable relationships. We're never going to affect any change in this world until we understand one thing. God's love flows from him to us, through us to the world. Not vice versa. Not, not, not backwards. We flow nothing up to God but negativity. God's love flows this way. Here's a foundational verse for you if you want to get started in understanding the passion of God. John 3, 16 and 17. God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only beloved son that whoever, anybody who believes in him would not perish but would have everlasting life because God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him would be saved. This is the foundation of love. God did it first. God reaches out first. God is the reservoir of love. Prayer is the conduit. If we allow ourselves to be filled, we can make a choice to become a dam of love or a conduit of love. You wonder why the relationships in our families are so broken, our neighborhoods, our churches, our country, our world, because we've dammed up this love instead of letting it flow and allowing God to be the first source of it. This is the problem. God is passionately in love with you. Personally, you. Luke 15 tells three images of God's love for us. A lost lamb, a lost uh, pearl, money, whatever, and a lost son. I like the prodigal son story. You know the story probably pretty well, but here's what, the gist of it. This kid gets part of its inheritance. He leaves his family, his loving, awesome family. He goes to Vegas. He blows all of his money. At the end of the, after all his money's gone, he's scraping gum off the bottom of the roulette tables, and he's, not, he's barely eating what's left over because pre-chewed bubble gum is not nutritious. He's got no food, no friends, no nothing. He blew it all, and he sits in his filth one day, and he says, man, the servants on my dad's farm got it way better. At least if they eat food that's left over, it's fresh. So what I should do is go back to him and see if he would take me on as a servant because I blew the whole sonship thing. So maybe I can at least get a regular meal. And so he starts making his way back. But sure enough, the father runs out to meet him and says, my son who was dead is now alive. Here's your cloak. Here is your rings. Here's your shoes. Thank you for coming home. This is our God. No matter where you've run and you've blown your inheritance, God is continually reaching out to you saying, come home. I want to put my cloak around you. I love you so much that I'm willing to die for you. But see, our relationships are so screwed up, we don't understand it. We're in this continual spanking machine where we make bad choices, we screw up relationships, we get whacked, then we want to do something, but we don't do it right. The cross of Christ has jammed into the gears of the machine and stopped it. The machine is done. 
The cross has stopped it, and we're free. We're free. We can personally approach God in passionate love because of what he did. And it's free for you and I. We have to accept it. Well, there's another P, it's petitions. Man, this is our favorite part. Finally, give me my money. I want stuff from God. I want my stuff, man. Bring it. And so we ask God. We love asking God for things. Oh, man, God, I am not feeling good today. I want more money. I want a better job. I want my kids to be better. I wish my spouse would shut up. I want all these things. Would you make my will and all the things I want happen, God? And we stick our spiritual ATM card in, we punch in our code, and we wait for God's miracles. We're, we know that petition's a two-way street. That's the part we don't like. What do you mean God wants something from me? That's not cool. I want stuff from God. He's got more stuff than me. It's a two-way street. Petitions are a two-way street. You asking things for God, but God asking things of you. And this is the part that really gets people goofed up. You know, the real issue is because we have no idea what God, we don't know if we're saying the right thing or not, do we? Half the time we're like, man, I hope I don't screw this up. That's why people don't like to pray in public because they're like, what if I say the wrong thing? What if I goof up talking to God? I mean, he is all powerful. And I've read in the Old Testament at times, he kills people. So what do I do? I'm scared. I don't want to say anything. Better not say anything at all than get killed by God praying wrong. Well, good news for you. God has installed a mechanism in heaven so that you don't have to worry about getting struck with lightning when you say the wrong thing. Here's a video representation of what that could look like. I'm going to start with some balayage clip-ins, then razor cut up to a blunt angled lob. I'm dead. I'm back. It's going to be everything. What? He's going to make your hair long, then cut it short to make it big. Oh, OK. What's the strongman? It's a pea protein gluten-free pate. It's a burrito filled with plants pretending to be meat. Last night took an L, but did not a bounce back. What's an L? The rap singer took a loss, and now he's OK. Right. Every week I bounce back. Living large. Living with his mama. Likes long walks. Doesn't have a car. Entrepreneur? Unemployed. Oh! Yeah, you can get a mortgage that avoids PMI, but there's no way to avoid MIP on an FHA. Hey! This will help. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans makes the complex simple. Right. Understand the details and get approved in as few as eight minutes. There's also uh, origination fees and uh, escrow accounts. This takes care of it. Thank you. Rocket Mortgage, America's largest mortgage lender. It's just a gray dot. <laughs> so here's what's funny about that, right? All through the scripture, and you could read it, I put the references in there, but in 1 John and Revelation and Romans and places like that, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is next to the Father, and when we pray, he converts what we say into the sound that God loves. I picture it like Dory talking whale. And God's like, I like that sound. That sounds good to me. And so we're praying, and the Holy Spirit's like, you know, when he's doing that, God's like, hey, this is pleasing. And then the Bible says that Jesus is on the other side of God, and he's the mediator between God and us. And so he's basically saying, all right, here's what he's trying to say. I know he sounds dumb, but truly, he really means well, and here's what he's saying. And Jesus is constantly whispering God's ear, saying, hey, here's the truth. Here's what's going on. And God's like, oh, yeah, okay, I got, yes, yes. 
So you've got the Holy Spirit and Jesus whispering to the Father exactly what he's supposed to hear from what we're trying to say. Isn't that awesome? So no matter how dumb you sound to yourself, the good news is, and hey, it's okay. That's what's going on. And God's like, yeah, I like what Joe has to say. Thankfully, it's not Joe's irritating voice. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Joe. JK, I love Joe. He's my body double, so that's important. <laughs> so there's another really interesting fact. From back in the tabernacle and the temple days in the Holy of Holies, there was one day a year that the high priest could walk in and commune with the presence of God. Now, the one stipulation was that the room had to be filled with incense. What the thought behind that was, God is so perfect and so pure and so holy that if the high priest walked in and saw the presence of God, he would die. But also that the smoke would obscure the sinfulness of the man from the holiness of God. See, that smoke was a buffer. Well, the Bible describes our prayers as sweet smoke and incense before the Lord. You see, our prayers, as they rise up to God, it's a buffer. And the Holy Spirit and Jesus there, it's a buffer between us and God. So he doesn't look down and see our impurities and our iniquities. That image of yourself that's totally wrong, he doesn't see the bad choices. All he smells is a beautiful incense, and he sees the smoke of the sun and the blood that was shed for us. He sees all of that. It's obscured. And he sees exactly what he should see, which is an adopted son or adopted daughter, royalty. That's how powerful your prayer is. The last P is potential. When, God? When? I pray fervently, God, I need healing, God. When are you going to heal me? When is this going to happen? Folks, I, I understand there's people in here that have hangnails and people that have stage four cancer. And I, I get it all the way across the spectrum. And many of us still ask the same question. When am I going to be healed? Is it possible that it is a perspective issue? Do you think that God is somehow behoven to this watch that we wear, this clock that's ticking. I mean, I know my cousin Vinny, it's like, we got this clock that's ticking like this, and we want, look, God's not sitting up there saying, well, I'm supposed to deliver a healing at 12.09, so I, do you, you may not understand this, but this is true. God is outside of time and space. God is not stuffed into this timeline that we have. So he's not sitting there watching the minutes go by. He's in the past, he's in the present, and he's already in the future. So from God's perspective, you're already healed. What does the Bible say about heaven? You may not know, so I'll help you. There is no pain, there is no suffering, there is no sickness, and there are no tears in heaven. Is that correct? Yes, it is. That's what the Bible says. So as far as God is concerned, you're already healed. Because what if... You die here, you close your eyes here, you take your last breath here, and you appear in heaven. Are you healed? Yes. Now, do we want that on earth? Yes, we do, but it's our perspective that's the issue. God is simply saying to you, change your perspective. You're worried about this time bubble. I'm looking at the long game. I'm looking at your eternity. What I want to heal in you is your broken spirit. That is what I'm going to heal in you. The flesh, yes, I can knit that together. Maybe I will, maybe I'll wait. 
but your spirit, that's what I want to heal right now. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understandings and everything you do, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Trust in the Lord because at just the right time, he will deliver us. The Jews prayed for thousands of years for Messiah, but Bible says in Romans that God at just the right time came. Why did he choose then? Because it was the right time. It was the right time. Folks, I, I don't know when God's gonna answer your prayer or if he's ever gonna answer it the way you think he should answer it or at the time that you think he should, but I do know that in the eternal perspective, you're already healed. It's finished. It is done. God is more concerned with healing the spirit and your relationship with him than he is at any body part. And if you are going to leverage your relationship with God on a body part's healing, you got problems. You start with the spirit first. The rest will catch up. You need to trust. It's all about perspective. It's personal. God loves you just like you are. When you leave here today, I hope you see the cloak of the Lord around you. When you kneel down to pray, if you do that at home, God is kneeling next to you. If you stand, he has his arm around you. If you sit, if you lie down, he's lying face to face with you. God is reaching down to you personally and passionately. You want to heal your family and heal this world? then you allow prayer to become the conduit of love between you and God. God is pouring out love on you and me. Bring your petitions to God, but shut your mouth once in a while and let him talk back. I have to learn that. Because God's gonna talk to you. You want from God, he also wants from you. The good news is you can't outgive God. So whatever you think that you're, he's asking of you, he's gonna return tenfold to you. A hundredfold. How about an eternity in heaven? Is that fair? God's going to deliver when he delivers. We need to get our timing. Trust in God. Trust him to deliver when he will deliver. Trust him to do what's right when it's his time to do what's right. Fix the spirit before we worry about all the other things and change our perspective to eternity. Start looking at the long game because that's our God. Our God is thinking eternally about you and he loves you so much that he wants to spend eternity with you. Don't leave here without understanding the simple fact that God wants a personal relationship with you. I don't care what you think you've done. My Bible reads that there's not one doggone thing you've done that separates you from the love of God. Not one. Nothing. And if you're drawing breath here today, every single breath is an opportunity to get that relationship right. And this is his desire. He, he wants you. And somewhere deep inside, you want him. It's a marriage made in heaven. Let's worship.
by you, God. God, that we can have a close, intimate relationship with you, God. That there are no hindrances anymore. The veil's been torn. And now we can come boldly before your throne, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for everything that's taken place here this morning, Lord. And God, I truly believe you've spoken to every single one of us, God. God, we just want to respond in obedience. We want to respond in faithfulness, God. God, and we want to approach you not in complication, but truly in the simplicity of just being able to come to our Heavenly Father, just as we are, and to love you and praise you and have communion and relationship with you, Jesus. We thank you for that. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys so much for being here this morning. We love you all. We'll see you right back here next week. Invite a friend, and we'll see you then.